Rickards Bolotniks. Now, before I go on, I'm not sure whether his name is Bolotniks or Bolotnik because on BoxRec and the, the commentary on this fight kept calling him Bolotniks. But on his actual shorts, on his trunks, it said Bolotnik without the S on the end. So <laughs> did the S fall off? I don't think so because even his corner team, it said Bolotniks. So I'm not sure where, why there's this discrepancy <laughs> whether it's Bolotniks or Bolotnik. Anyway, he fought Jose Burton and he defeated him in Latvia, and Bolotniks is a Latvian guy, he defeated him on a 10-round unanimous decision. Now, this fight was very reminiscent of Jose Burton's matchup several years ago against Frank Bullioni. And by the way, big up Frank Bullioni. Uh, Frank Bullioni is a real stand-up guy, you know, on a personal level, real stand-up guy, real smart guy. So big up Frank Bullioni. And as I say, this uh, Bolotniks, Bully, uh, Bolotniks, excuse me, Burton fight was reminiscent of the Bullioni fight because of the fact that it followed a similar kind of pattern with Jose Burton boxing on the outside and the shorter guy, in this case Bolotniks, but in the uh, aforementioned fight, or previously mentioned fight, excuse me, uh, Bullioni coming forward trying to apply pressure with Jose Burton boxing on the outside doing fairly well. You know, he was... I would say getting the better of some of the early rounds against Bolotniks because Bolotniks really wasn't very high volume. He was applying pressure, but there wasn't a lot of punches there. He seemed to be waiting for you know, maybe his body shots to take effect or for uh, Jose Burton to slow down anyway as the fight progressed. And either way, that's what happened. Burton did start to slow down. Bolotniks was getting some nice body shots in. And then eventually he was able to pin Jose Burton on the ropes and start doing some proper damage. Now, all the way through the fight, Bolotniks was landing nice, clean shots. He's one of these kind of fighters who doesn't like to throw unless there's a very, very good chance he's going to land. You know, some fighters will throw throwaway punches, you know, shots that just set up other shots or shots that just keep the opponent busy or shots that confuse the opponent or, you know, uh, they, they use them as misdirection, etc. But with Bolotniks, no, he's a guy who likes to be economical, at least early on in the fight from what I've seen here. Likes to be economical and only really wants to throw if he's 80% sure the shot's going to land. But even still, he did land some clean shots, even in the early rounds, usually power shots, occasionally jabs. And gradually, gradually, Jose Burton started slowing down. And by the way, Tyson Fury, his dad, John Fury, and his trainer, uh, Javon Sugar Hill were in attendance for this fight because I believe Tyson Fury is related to Jose Burton. They might be cousins or something like that. And again, after big up the uh, wh whoever needs bigging up over there in Latvia, they had fans in attendance. Very few few restrictions. They even had ring card girls there. Always good to see. But more of that on Patreon. Uh, yeah, Bolotniks was applying the pressure throughout. And I think it was in the ninth round that th there were signs that Burton was starting to get broken down. I think in the seventh or eighth, he had his nose busted. Then in the ninth round, Bolotniks really got on top of him, put some damage on him and scored not two knockdowns, but two standing counts. Jose Burton didn't actually touch the ground, his backwards to the ropes and therefore the referee decided, well, I'm not sure actually what the rules were there in Latvia because Back in the days in the United States, uh, you would get standing counts and they weren't, they, they weren't predicated on ropes holding somebody up. No, these were just standalone standing counts where you wouldn't have even gone down uh, if you didn't have the ropes behind you. But because you're taking such a beating, they jump in and give you a standing count. Yeah, that was quite common back in the days in the 90s and what have you, especially in America. But in this instance, I don't know whether the rules in Latvia are like that or whether it is a situation where, as it is everybody everywhere else, if the ropes are holding you up and preventing you from going down and if they weren't there, you would have gone down, you're going to get a count. It's going to be counted as a knockdown. Either way, it's academic. Bolotnik's got two counts over uh, Jose Burton and the fight from there was effectively over. Yes, it had been relatively competitive, for the first, you know, seven, eight rounds. 
But Bolotniks, you know, the momentum of the fight was more going in Bolotniks' favor. And the ninth round really sealed the deal. The 10th round was also a decent one for Bolotniks. Although, credit to Jose Burton, he fought back like a warrior in that 10th round. And he really tried his hardest, but it just wasn't enough. And the decision rightly went to Rickards Bolotniks. The commentator for the fight was a little aggrieved at how wide the scorecards were. And, you know, I can see that. It was always going to be a tough ask, you know, going to Riga in Latvia against the Latvian, especially when you're not a high-profile fighter and Jose Burton isn't. It was always going to be tough. So, yeah, I, I can understand why people may not be happy with how wide the scorecards were, but at the end of the day, the right man definitely won, and that was Rickards Bolotniks. So, yeah, this is a nice win for him. He's 17 and 5 with one draw, seven KOs. He's been stopped three times in the past. This is actually the first time I've ever seen Bolotniks fight. And he's pretty rudimentary. You know, there's nothing spectacular about Bolotniks. He looks strong at 6'1". He was shorter than Jose Burton. And he, as I say, moved forward. He was concentrating on landing quality rather than quantity, at least for the first half of the fight. And yeah, he just looked like a, a rudimentary but solid fighter. And this was for the WBO European light heavyweight title. I believe this is a a belt that Anthony Yard has previously held. Now, will this be an opponent for Anthony Yard? Rickards Bolotniks. I mean, it's the, the kind of opponent who they might put him in with next. And as far as Jose Burton, where does he go from here? This is his second professional loss. His first loss, obviously, to Frank Bullioni, as I mentioned. Um... What do you guys think? How far can Jose Burton go now? Is he found his level? Is this it? British level? And remember, he lost the bully. That was British title fight, right? Against Frank Bullioni, British light heavyweight title. So is Jose Burton only area level? Not even British or European level? You guys let me know what you think because you look at Bolotnik's career and I know records don't tell you everything about a fighter, but they tell you a lot. He shouldn't have been up at cruiserweight really, should he here? getting stopped by Tabiso Machunu back in 2018. He was stopped in six. 191 pounds. So I guess he's fought a few times at Cruiserweight. He, was, he also dropped a decision to Mickey Nielsen back in 2018 at Cruiserweight. A fight here at 180 pounds. So, I mean, this is above Cruiserweight. Okay, sorry, that's not the one he lost. He lost to Kevin Boval over six. And that was kind of a light heavyweight, and I mean, you look at the guy's record. And early on, he was stopped by Andreas Evangelou. He's a British, uh, I believe, British-based fighter, or British-born, but I guess is a, a Greek or Cypriot name. Uh, and Abel Mikhailin. <laughs> I'm always butchering these names, man. <laughs> but he was stopped in three by him in his second pro fight. So yeah, very checkered record uh, that Richard Bolotnik has got. So not exactly the talent, you know, the biggest talent in the world, but he definitely had enough to deal with Jose Burton and give him his second professional loss. So yeah, let me know what you guys think in the comments below if you managed to catch this one. You can actually watch it on YouTube. As I say, it was uh, streamed live by Sky Sports Boxing and also on AFL TV, I believe. They showed it and it was a decent fight to show. I did watch, you know, I, I was kind of on off watching some of the fights on the undercard, but none of them that I saw seemed particularly interesting. I was mainly waiting for the main event to see Jose Burton back in action. And yeah, Bolotniks gave him the business. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today.
Josh Taylor retains his 140-pound world titles with a first-round knockout victory over Epinon Kongsong. Now, I mentioned in my fight preview that sometimes these unknown Thai fighters can turn out to be a revelation. These guys you've never heard of who really have their background in Muay Thai. And you could see that actually from Kong Song, the way he was moving around the ring and he was very high up on his toes. That's very typical of what you see with former Muay Thai fighters. And sometimes these guys turn out to be real good professional boxers. You know, as many pointed out in the comments section to that particular video. But based upon this result, uh, Kong Song probably won't be one of them, <laughs> right? Uh, he looked fairly competent as he was moving around the ring. Josh Taylor, this, correct me if I'm wrong, was his first fight with new trainer Ben Davison. He was fainting a lot, trying to faint uh, Kong Song out of position. But Kong Song, for the most part, wasn't going for the feints. And it was a fairly uneventful first round until Josh Taylor managed to maneuver Kong Song to the ropes where he unleashed a very, very short body punch. You can see it land in here. Very, very short left hand to the body on the inside, right in the floating rib. And John Rowling, the commentator, was making out as though it was a very innocuous looking punch. But if you see Josh Taylor's body position here, his knees are bent. The shot is landed flush into the floating rib there. I'm telling you, even a short shot like that if the guy's got his weight behind it like Josh Taylor has, it can take you out. So, yeah, down went Kong Song. He was very badly hurt from the punch. And that's all she wrote. It was waved off and Josh Taylor gets a nice, easy victory and goes on to bigger and better things. There will be much, much sterner tests ahead for this uh, young man. But I'm sure he's up for the challenge. There are unifications and possibly moving up in weight to 147 pounds, he certainly got the height to be able to do that. And by the way, you know, Josh Taylor, say what you want to say about him as a person. In my view, in recent times, he's proven himself to be a real stand-up guy, a real, real stand-up guy. And you know, I'm sure I've got differences with, with Josh Taylor on many things, but again, very stand-up guy. I'll leave, I'll leave it there. But yeah, let me know what you guys think in the comments about Josh Taylor's performance against Kong Song. Is it what you expected? I'm sure some of you are going to say yes, because by reflex action, and these are usually casuals, by reflex action, if people haven't heard of a certain opponent, they're immediately going to write them off. <laughs> these are the same people, most of them, who wrote off Andy Ruiz against Anthony Joshua because they never heard of him and because he's a big fat guy. So they said, oh no, he can't fight. <laughs> you, it really is good to do your due diligence and actually watch somebody before you completely write them off. So this is why I didn't want to write Kong Song off. I'd never seen him box before. And he was an unbeaten guy. And I know from being a boxing fan for several decades that that part of the world, you know, Thailand and that part of Asia, they produce some really good fighters who are dark horses. They just seem to come out of the blue. We've never heard of them before, but they turn out to be really good. So I didn't want to write him off given the fact I'd never seen him. But as I say, I'm sure a lot of people just by reflex action because they never heard of him before and he's got a, an unusual foreign name. They're just going to say, ah, oh, he obviously can't fight. But maybe we'll see him come back in the future and be a decent fighter, possibly. Maybe we're selling Josh Taylor's victory over him short. Time will tell. But let me know what you guys thought in the comments below. Were you impressed by his performance? Uh, how good do you think that body shot was? And what next for Taylor? Who would you like to see him fight next? There are so many options. Let me know, people. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. Razabani for IFL TV in association with MTK Global with me on this Sunday afternoon. I've got the spider himself, Craig Richards. Craig, uh, how are you doing? 
I'm doing great, you know, I'm doing perfect, it's doing great, just grafting hard, you know. It's taken us a week to get here, you know that. Yeah, <laughs> I know, do you know what it is? It's just, you know, like, I know you're very busy, then I've been busy in camp, we've been clashing our schedules, but we're here now. <laughs> uh, Craig, haven't caught up with you for, for a little while, um, just, just want to recap, um, obviously the last six, seven months, the world, the world has literally changed uh, with yeah. this whole COVID-19 um how's life been for you with this change how's the family how's everybody first of all everything's good you know you know um thanks to god everything's good well, we had, we've had our ups and downs through pandemic i had family members be severely ill recover i was ill recovered and then we just you know been in lockdown found our way of you know making our time useful you know um putting things in perspective um kept myself busy over the pandemic i've done um charity bike rides for domestic violence and stuff like that and you know just made my time useful and then we got back out of the lockdown was it kind of mentally hard to keep yourself active keeping half decent shape not knowing when this was going to get better when not knowing when the next fight date was going to be um yeah um yeah and no it was lucky like we was in touch with the boys and stuff in the camp and you know them boys just like myself, take it very serious. So we was um, make, keeping an eye on each other, making sure each other was um, training, ticking over, and just doing like, fitness activities a lot of the time over the summer. But we had no fight dates. Obviously, the boxing gym wasn't open, so we weren't allowed to do that as much as we'd like to. But um, we, you know, we just kept a reasonable, reasonable fitness over the pandemic, and just fingers crossed, and just hope that at some point we we'll see light at the end of the tunnel, and we're here now. We obviously saw. Um, back in February, March, I remember being at the, uh, well, there was a press conference for Derek Chisora and Usyk. The fight was announced and then all of a sudden got cancelled and we saw many shows over the course of the summer get cancelled. So I don't mean to be negative, but right now with current further restrictions, I know you've got a date in November, which we'll talk about, but is it in the back of mind that, damn, we could go into a national lockdown in the next couple of weeks? Um in, in the back back of my mind, I know that there's a possibility we might be in lockdown, but I'm not going to feel like that's going to affect my um, fight. So I'm just going to keep my head down, train as normal and focus on that date and keep any negative thoughts of anything of that getting disrupted out of my head and keep just drumming off towards that date. Mm. Craig, I remember a couple of years ago, I can't remember, maybe it was 2017, I believe, when you jumped in last minute to fight Frank uh, Buglioni. Uh, I believe that was in, on the anti-Joshua undercard in Principality Stadium in Cardiff. Yeah. Um, you, Tuckham, yeah. You had a week or so notice. You gave a five great days. five days. Great yeah. effort from yourself to go the distance with someone like Frank, who's very, very experienced. Um, since then, obviously, you have recovered and had some other fights. I, I was there when you fought Jake Paul, which was, again, a, a clinical performance. Uh, and then your last fight was Chad Sudgeton, which was, I believe, last December. Yeah, last, last December. December. So if you just assess those kind of two years from that first loss to that draw to Sad Sajin on how crazy yeah. so far. Um yeah, well up to the Buglioni, obviously I was ten and oh unbeaten. Got that offer ten five days notice. Um everyone was wondering why you'd take such a risk with being unbeaten, etc. at super middleweight. I saw an opportunity, although it was a title, the weight above I was used to competing at. Um after I won the southern area. I was kind of knocking on the door for bigger things and weren't really getting the opportunity. Nothing went opening up. I kind of just wanted to move forward. Got the Buglioni five days notice fight and I thought, well, I'm a fighter. Like, that's what I like to do. I like to fight. So it wasn't about, oh, let's protect the O. It was all about, let's go in there and let's roll the dice and see if we can make it happen. You know, Frank, he was a great champion at the time. Um, I think he had like, I think he was more nearly... 50% more knockouts than I even had fights at the time. I think I was 10 and 0. He had about 15 knockouts, 23 wins or something like that. I went in there, gave a good account of myself, come up short. And then um, from then, I, I didn't look at it as in, oh, you took it on five days notice. That's what the mistake was. I thought, what was the errors that you could have improved on besides that? Um, growing into the weight now, moving up into the weight properly. Um, I did that. I had three good, good guys with winning records. I got them all out there within three rounds. Um, Jake Board called me out after the second one. Um, I had one more, got him out of there. Ended up fighting with Jake Ball for the WBA Continental title. Um, got him out there within three rounds. And I think um, I got a bit complacent after that. 
in terms of just relying on my power at one point. Obviously, I was always a technical, skilled fighter. And then I started, um, when I started getting them out of there consistently, I feel like the Sterling fight, I kind of banked on that, um, waited for the opportunity, um, didn't box how I usually box. Obviously, got the job done, dropped him, whatever, but I could have made the job a lot easier. By the time we come to the Shugdom fight, I looked at him and I just thought, you know, let me just focus on Shakan. I was still concentrating on preparing for Shakan even a week before. I didn't really even watch Chad, paying much mind of him. I know they asked us for the fight about three or three, four weeks. I think it was about three, four weeks before the night. I think he was scheduled to box on, uh, I can't remember what day I was even fighting. Say it was the 19th. He was scheduled to fight on the 21st. Um, Shakan wasn't available anymore. So he, he couldn't fight on the 19th. I still wanted to get out. So, a uh, week later, I got a call to say, look, this guy, Chad, wants to fight. 19th, I said, yeah, let's go. I just, before Christmas, let's just tick the register and wait for the big one. Kind of went in there with that sort of mindset of just, let's just go in there and tick the register and just move on and wait for the big fight. Didn't really put much effort in it. Um, still fall, got the, felt like I still got the win. Could have performed 20 million. Sorry about that. Um, am I back? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, could have went through the gears and um, made the job a lot easier yet again, but as complacency again. But now we're back here. Now I've got Shakan, the fight I've been waiting for. Um, and I camp I can now look forward to and getting up for the fight and getting ready for the opportunity I've been waiting for for well over a year now. Um, I spoke to Shakan back in March when the fight was supposed to take place in March. Obviously, got rescheduled because of the pandemic. Um, I'm sure you you watched Shakan's performance against Chad. Did you take anything from it? Nah, nothing. What I didn't expect of what I saw of him and saw of him. Um, Chad's a guy who likes to sit off unless you force the action. Shakan's a guy who sits there at range. He's a tall guy. Um, it was exactly what I expected. He stayed at range. He didn't work his way in. It was just, yeah. It was not. It wasn't. It wasn't like, yeah. It wasn't nothing to really even speak on, to be honest. The fight's been made for November. I spoke to Shakan a couple of days ago, so he's looking forward to this fight with yourself. He obviously wanted this fight uh, months ago. It didn't happen. Now you've got you've got the ch chance to obviously, you know make him aware that you're the better fighter. It's the British titles on the line as well. And I, I just feel like when I'm, when I'm seeing the back and forth between you and Chad, there's a bit of animosity. Is that, is that, is my judgment right? Um, I wouldn't say, I think there was a bit of frustration at first, you know, um, he, he didn't understand um, at first when we were finishing off negotiations, he didn't understand that he went up and think it, I don't know what he thought or, he just went off and started talking about all of this. Oh, I think they don't want to fight and all this and that. I even said to him in an interview, um, I think it was with Coogan, that be prepared for 90th of December because the fight is going to happen. The time he's um, been told, he's telling me, no, nah, um, he doesn't want to fight no December no more. So then it was all this back and forth from politics of he thinking his reasons why the fight's not going on. I had my reasons for the fight thinking it's not going on. It was just bare politics behind the scene. But what I didn't like is that he was trying to tell people I was ducking and dodging him. But when you look at my record and the sort of competition I faced, it was, a, it was cheeky for him to turn around and say that I'm ducking him. Of, of, of all the guys I've competed against, all the guys I've beaten and the guys I've jumped in the ring with, for him to say that, I found that very disrespectful because I just thought, like, what is he bringing to the table that the sort of competition I've been in the ring with for me to duck him? Is he, would you say he's going to be one of your toughest competitors? Uh, he's going to be one at a good level of competitors I've boxed. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say he's going to be the toughest guy that I've boxed, as we say, looking at who I've boxed. Um, he's now, um, now he's 14 and 0. Um, so he had 14 fights when I boxed Jake. I think it was 12 and 1 with an 80% knockout ratio. Buglioni, I think it was like 23 wins, 15 KOs, which was probably more fights than he's had. I was only 10 and 0 at the time. After seven fights, I've beaten kids with 12 and 0 records, six KOs. Um, guys with no higher knockout ratios back then than he has even now, um, with the same similar sort of experience. What he does bring, different to the other guys I fought, is the height. He's about six foot six. So that would be. Uh, the difference that we have with him 
that we haven't faced before. So, and that's what he brings new to the table, a different dimension, different dynamic to it. But apart from that, no, I don't. I don't think he brings it like, I don't think he'll be the hardest. I think he'll be a different sort of opposition, a different puzzle to unfold. And Craig, it's going to be nearly a year by the time you get in the ring when you fight Shaq. Um, mm-hmm. Do you expect ring rust? You know, it's going to be, you're going to be up against the whole environment as it is with no fans. But what about the aspect of not being in the ring for, for nearly a year? It doesn't matter. I've been in the gym. I'm always in the gym, always training. I look back, I've, I've had this stuff before. Uh, I remember when I was in the amateurs and I remember even when I won the box cup, I was out in the ring for a year then, came back won it comfortable, got fighter of the whole tournament. Um, I know it's just the amateurs, but, and I look back in passing times, even like when I boxed Jake Ball, um, it was a while I was out of the ring before I got, finally got to fight Jake. Uh, there was no ring rust there again. I thought I could have even performed better in that, but still had enough to get the job done. Got him out there within three rounds. I, I don't believe there'll be ring rust. I reckon I'll be sharp. I reckon I'll be... Yeah, I think they're relying on me to be flat. I think they're relying on me to have ring rust, but I don't believe so. I, I believe I'm going to perform very well on the night. Craig, I remember being at the O2 when you fought Jake Ball and you had, you know, you bought the numbers, you bought your crowd and your friends and family. They were very loud. In fact, security had to calm them down a little bit because they were getting so excited uh, with your performance. But is that going to be a key aspect? And also, does it make it, a, does it almost make it into a completely different fight, the fact that it's going to be behind closed doors? Um, I don't know. Um, when you look at it, when I spar, I spar pretty well with no crowd there. I, prefer, I believe in sometimes in the gym, I perform even better than I do on the nights with no crowd. So um, in that aspect, I don't really reckon. I, I feel I'm determined, I'm focused, and I want to go and get the job done. And I believe that's what I'll do. I don't care if there's a crowd there, no crowd then. I just want to get that job done. Finally, tick that off and move on. Um, that's what I, I'm here to make a statement. I'm here to show I've arrived on the scene, so I'm not going to let the crowd bother me or not. It's always nice to have a crowd there because it's like when I win, I win with the crowd and the people who supported me and the fans. And it's nice, you know, to celebrate victory with those. But um, it'll just be, have to be a situation where I'll have to be after um, I leave with the belt. <laughs> Obviously, Mick Hennessy won the purse bids. Uh, it's going to be on Channel 5 uh, Terrestrial TV. Mm-hmm. So... A big boost as well. We know, and let's be honest here, uh, numbers generally across boxing are not the greatest. Are not where, where They're not at the levels they used to be. Uh, we've seen that across BT and Sky. So mm-hmm. a chance to go on terrestrial TV where hopefully you will have more eyes uh, on you. Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Did you hear what I said? Or did I repeat? Yeah, you said um, you you said um, numbers will be bigger on terrestrial TV than numbers have been over the pandemic. That's That's a good thing, right? Being on Channel Five. Yeah. yeah, it'll be good to. Um, it's just good to get out there and get good viewings, and um, it's always good to have people watching your fights, and you know that you've got to go out there, um, put a show on, put a performance on. It'll be something different. I'm used to only obviously boxing on my promotional company. I'm only used to boxing on Sky Sports. It'll be a different thing. And, you know, um, I'm a guy I like challenges. I thrive off challenges. Um, and if you look based on my career as well, every time I'm up against a challenge, up against adversity is when I perform. So I believe this will be good. Just finally, if uh, Shaq's watching now, you got a message for him? Just be ready November the 14th. It ain't going to be a boring fight. It's going to be a serious fight. Then I'm going to get him out of there. All right, uh, Craig, uh, appreciate you jumping on this afternoon. Give me a few minutes of your time. Uh, without doubt, we'll definitely be catching up with you again before the fight takes place. Uh, wish you nothing but um, you know, continued success and uh, keep working hard and we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. And I just want to thank all my sponsors and all my supporters who's been behind me and who continue being behind me. And I'm looking forward to November the 14th. And thank you, guys. Thank you, IFL, um, for giving me the time of the day as well. Always, my man, always. Craig Richards for IFL TV. Thank you very much. Thank you, bro. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt.
So in the co-main event, Jamel Charlo, alongside his uh, brother Jamal, he, not, not in some tag team fashion, obviously, these were two separate fights, but Jamel Charlo won against uh, Jason Rosario with an eighth-round knockout, and this was a unification at 154 pounds. Jamel Charlo came out in the first round, throwing some very wild punches. Now, I don't know whether that was tactical, whether he was trying to condition Rosario. You know, sometimes you might come out, throw some wild shots at your opponent, and he thinks, okay, now I know what angle he's going to throw his shots from. I'm going to be ready for him with certain counters. Then the next time you come in for an attack, you throw them straight and you catch your opponent by surprise. Was it, I don't know what it was. It, it was just real strange that he came out throwing these wide shots. Maybe that's just the way Charlo is able to get serious power, or maximum power in his punches by really cranking big, huge, wild shots. And that was a way of trying to put Rosario in his place early, intimidate him get some space between him and the opponent to let him know, look, I'm going to hit you extremely hard if you come within a certain distance of me. So just chill, <laughs> okay? Just have some respect. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. But yeah, just curious wild swings from Jamel Charlo in the first round. But after that, he settled down into his boxing. He established a very nice rhythm and he was out boxing Rosario the whole way. He hurt him. I believe it was in the sixth round. Uh, was that counted a knockdown? Yeah, it was. It was counted a... Uh, well, oh yeah, he was down in uh, in the first round. Excuse me. He was down in the first round. That first round knockdown, was that really a knockdown? In fact, I'm, I'm kind of getting confused about which knockdowns there were. One of the knockdowns, it might have been the sixth or the, was it the first? I forget which knockdown it was. Um, I, I didn't realize there were three. I did watch the fight <laughs> not long ago. I remember two of the knockdowns. One of them was from a, a, a left hook, I believe it was, high on the head. And I'm not sure whether that was actually a knockdown. I mean, you got to count it, but what I'm saying is I'm not sure that Rosario was really that badly hurt because his back foot, as he was backing up after he got hit by that shot, his back foot went out of the ring and that's what caused him to fall down. Was that the first round knockdown or the sixth round knockdown? I forget which now. But anyway, <laughs> the pattern of the fight was Jamel Charlo outboxing Rosario comprehensively throughout the fight, landing the clean, effective punches. Rosario really didn't land much of any consequence throughout the whole course of the bout. And finally, in the eighth round, after the two previous knockdowns, Jamel Charlo came out, and that was early on in the eighth round, that he landed a jab to Rosario's body, and Rosario went down as if he'd been shot. From a jab to the body, I mean, it's very rare in boxing that you'll see a knockout from a jab to the body. It does happen occasionally. I remember when uh, Kubrat Pulev stopped Matt Skelton early on in his pro career. He stopped him with a jab to the body. I remember when uh, Buster Douglas, no, that wasn't a jab to the body. That was a jab to the head. Yeah, so I've seen people dropped with jabs. Being dropped with a jab to the head is more common than being dropped with a jab to the body. That's very, very rare. I mean, being dropped with a jab to the head is still relatively rare, but you do see it. Jabs to the body causing knockdowns, very, very rare. This was one of those occasions. He just caught him in the sweet spot and he'd obviously been breaking him down for you know multiple rounds previous. Managed to catch him with that jab to the body and that's all she wrote. So Jamel Charlo becomes the unified, well, he already was. Now he's even more unified, 154 pound champion. All it needs now is for him to go for undisputed. But since PBC are not recognizing the WBO, are they already going to act like he's undisputed and not go for the WBO title? I don't know. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Did they announce it? See, I, I, I've just watched this fight about two hours ago, whatever it was. can't remember whether they announced it as the undisputed or whether they announced it as a unification and the unified because it's not undisputed unless the WBO is on the line, because they are and have been for many years recognized as a legitimate sanctioning body. You know, they paid their dues in boxing. In the 90s, they certainly weren't recognized as legit, but these days they are. So that's the standard right now, is to have all four belts. Let's see if uh, Jamel Charlo goes for that. 
But until then, let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Were you impressed by his performance? Did you see the fight going this way? I know that in the lead up to the fight, Charlo said that uh, Rosario's win over Williams had more to do with Williams than it did to do with Rosario. So I guess he was alluding to what Williams maybe not being himself in that fight because that's what, uh, you know, that's what he did say. So let's see what happens there. Is he going to uh, fight Williams? You know, we're going to see a J-Rock fight. Let's see. And if you look at his record now, okay, he's got the Rosario. He avenged the Harrison defeat. Be Austin Trout, Lubin. Lubin's on a comeback trail these days. Charles Hatley, John Jackson, Vanas Martirosian. You know, his record doesn't look quite as impressive as his brother's when you scroll through, particularly after the Derevanchenko fight. That was a real good one. Korobov is a quality fighter, although it was a contentious decision. And he has beaten J-Rock. Austin Trout as well, K-9 Bondridge. So not as impressive as his brother's resume, but he's getting there. So... Let's see how long the the uh, twins can remain world champions simultaneously. Let's see how far they can go. Let's see if they can carve a legacy out for themselves, which will be remembered in generations to come. Will they go down as all-time greats? Because there have been many twins in boxing, and not just twins, but brothers in boxing, as we know, like with the Klitschko's, that have both turned out to be Hall of Famers. Will the Charlos be able to do that? Let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Who would you like to see Charlo fight next? Uh, yeah, and let me know what you think about all the points I've raised in this video. It's time and I'm out. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt. Andrew McCart, IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Well, do we need an intro for this fight, Lee? No. <laughs> These fights have been brewing for years, a good couple of years now. Um, and we finally got it, and on the biggest stage possible, Golden Contract Final. Um, Tyrone McKenna versus Ahara Davis. Let's go. Let's go. Right, where do I start? Who wants to start? I'll start. Go on in. Listen, I like the whole dress sense. Thank um, you. Amazing. Listen, you know Tyrone, I, like, I have to like commend him. He knows how to sell a fight, he knows how to speak. He's an entertainer. He likes to dress well. It was me, I don't really entertain as much now as you guys can see. He's just kind of, I've been humble OD. But don't get it twisted in a ring. I'm still dangerous OD. And I'm not trying to sell fights outside the ring. I just do my talking inside the ring. So that's what we're going to see. Let's Two days left. Two days left. Let's stick on that humble OD then. Why? Why the humble OD? To be honest, I'm bored now. I'm bored of acting in a way that isn't me. I'm bored of trying to cause hype and getting abused over social media all day. Like it's long. Like I go on Instagram, open up, like my Instagram DM. The first thing I see, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. You're I'm like, hold on, you're I'm saying like, you're humble, Odi. Let me finish first. No, you're saying you're humble, Odi, but you're still going on P Taylor's Instagram page, scrolling back weeks, yeah. writing shit. Reading LOLs, laughing yeah, shit. I don't laugh at that because I see Pete Taylor saying that he's the best camp for you, um, and I'm putting laugh out loud. It's not, it's not me being arrogant. Me being arrogant would say your guys about to get his ass knocked out, but I just put laugh out loud. So it's still me trying to be a tiny bit controversial, but not on a wide scale. I'm just doing it between the fighters and the coaches. So this OD is a different OD to the OD you saw when I fought Dave Matthews, the OD you saw when I fought Taylor, the OD you saw when I fought Tom Farrell. Everyone wants that OD back, but this is boring OD outside the ring now. Boo! <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, Tyrone, I mean, we've seen you. you. You like to sell a fight the way OD used to do it, but we're not going to see humble Tyrone, are we? No, I, I humble or humble or whatever. I don't, I don't be humble. I be extravagant. I be loud. I like being loud. I, people like me being loud. You see my promo the other day. A lot of grief for that, but a lot of people love it as well. Um, this is the entertainment business. I'm here to entertain. Uh, I do it inside, outside the ring, all day, every day. I'm a mechanic and I'm not humble. 
<laughs> Perfect. Well, oh, I mentioned the dress sense. Uh, can you explain the get up? Okay, can I just wait uh, a minute? Two seconds. Let me just zoom in on that a wee bit. Big fan of Jimmy Hendrix. <laughs> uh, he is a wee blazer like us. So far, I rock that. Why not? Why not? Uh, well, stick with you, Ty. The, the, the final is finally here. You've been calling for this fight, jeez, for three, four years now. It's finally here. So how are you feeling? Only been two days away from facing yeah. O'Hara. I think it was an interview with you done four years ago in Birmingham. Was it with you? And I, I said mm -hmm. I, it was put up the other day. I said I wanted O'Hara Davies four years ago, and that's finally here on a massive stage. MDK's golden contract on Sky Sports, live for everyone to watch. It's something like he's been calling me a bum for the last four years. He's he's quieting down now, but he used to call me a bum every day. He used to call me shit and, and not on his level. Easiest one, two, three, ABC. Now we're gonna find out if he knows his ABCs. Well, uh, um, did you still do you, know, do you still think he's a bum? I still know that Ty McKenna's a bum. I still know that he's a trash fighter. I still know that he ain't got nothing but one, two, three, ABC. <laughs> listen, I know it inside, but I ain't got to, I ain't got to say it. I ain't got to shout it. On the 30th of September, I'm going to show it. And that whole arrogant OD, like I said, that's not me. But at the end of the day, McKenna, he is still a bum. A trash fighter, basic What one, are you going to do when a, a bum is beat you and you wake up on the 1st of October? Basic 1, 2, 3, Martin. ABC. You got Pete Taylor on the side, but Pete Taylor, yeah, I he's going to come and rescue you from what's going to happen. Pete Taylor is not going to rescue you. You can get Godzilla on your side. You can get the best coach in the world on your side. No one's going to save you from what's about to happen to you but like I said I'm, I'll, like I said, I'll leave all that talking in the ring I've worked extra hard to camp this camp but to, but to be honest you know I feel like camp I feel like for an opponent like this I ain't even got to work that hard I ain't even got to work that hard I ain't, listen I didn't I didn't have to run all the hills I ran I didn't have to spar all the rounds I sparred but because I did all the street fights, that just means he's going to end up getting knocked out and that's what's going to happen on fight night and to Pete Taylor Tyler McKenna, I just want to let you guys know now that after he gets knocked out, humble old maybe maybe consider going up in weight class. Maybe consider taking him up in weight class. Um, Why? Because I feel like you're kind of struggling to make weight. No. This weight class is not for you. And not even booked it up. This weight class. We like this weight class. It's not for you. And Pete Taylor, I just want to let you know after he gets knocked out against me, just be there for him have his back because it's, it's going to be a really hard time for him and for you but it's, going to be, <laughs> but it's going to be a much harder time for him so just want to let you guys know this early just so you can get ready go on and take yeah. it get, get a response yeah, to I that I don't even think he knew he was coming down to face off today but it was Anthony Fowler the Latvian boxer Sam Jones yes, or whoever else he was talking to on I Twitter I didn't know who I was going to meet that the man didn't know let me finish the man was on Twitter constantly having arguments with everyone but me like, I'm the one he's fighting, but he's focused on everyone else. Having all these street fights and with Latvians, I don't know what happened there. Uh, Albanians, not Latvians. Was it all? Okay, yeah, I don't know. Albanians then. And uh, Anthony Fowler having arguments with him, trying to arrange fights. Arguing with Sam Jones. I mean, he's fighting Tyrone McKenna, but he's not acting like it. Because Tyrone McKenna's not worthy of my, of my fingers writing things about you. You're not worthy of it. Those guys are quite decent fighters. I feel like you're not on that level yet. To this day, I, I still feel like you're not on that level yet. You've got two days time for you to prove to me, beat me, hit me, do something to me, but prove to me that you're on that level. But as of now, in my mind, I'm at level five and you're at level 0 0.5. <laughs> so, you know. That's, so that's why I've been writing stuff about everyone else online, but I haven't wrote anything about you. But so I guess we've got two days time for you to prove yourself. You just want to concentrate on all lemons. Take your mind off of me because you know you're getting beaten off of me. You don't want to stay up late at night thinking about how Tenor McCann is going to bother you. So you've been trying to make wee beef so you know, else. Take your mind off and focus on that. You can't get to sleep on it. One thing that your coach can do that I know he's, he's, that he's quite, actually quite good at, he's good at mentally preparing a fighter to fight. You've got all your friends around you saying, Hara David's going to be easy work. All these guys a big right hand and he's got slow foot movement, blah, blah, blah. I know that and then they've, they've constantly put in your mind that 
you're going to win. And you've been online to say, I'm going to win, I'm going to win, I'm, I'm, I'm going to win. That's not changed what's going to happen on fight night. That's why I'm not really talking much because I know that you're getting your ass knocked out. So me coming online saying that, it's not going to make it any different. What's going to happen? Online, you know? It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. But I see you online, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. You're not going to win. Chill, chill, relax. Get your beat in, get paid. You got to the final of the gold contract. Congratulations. You and your coach got here. Congratulations. It's a massive achievement. But this is the end of the road for you. Okay. And the start of a new you road for you. You believe that. You believe that. I definitely do believe that. Okay. Definitely do. 100 million percent. And your coach knows it inside. What your coach knows that what you've got. Your coach. So what I've heard from your coach's mouth. Do you have a new coach every week? That's and madness. And, and I still win every week. I had this. I had. In the golden contract, I had the first fight, one coach, a new coach, I won. Yeah, you've had a different coach in every single round. This is madness. And I won both fights. I knocked on both fights. I knocked on both fights in round six. I knocked on both fights in round six. So with you, I see you going to round seven probably. You know, around longer than them. It's going around around. It's going around longer than them. But you know, why do your coaches always tell you to beat them? Pardon? Why do your coaches always tell you to beat them? I don't know, for whatever reason they have, but one thing for sure, <laughs> I still win. <laughs> I still win. I, I, I still win, so it don't matter if I got only coach every fight. I'm your still head's winning. gone, you didn't even bring your gum shield, your shorts, your prep food. You had to go back oh, yeah. and get it. Yeah, you know what, I forgot my gum shield, I think I, think I might have to go back. Guys, let's, hey, let's get the tie ready after this, let's go back to London. Head's yeah, gone. Your head is gone. <laughs> you know. I don't honestly don't know what. I, I've lost no question. Anyone got a question when I ask them, I don't know what. I need to ask, but I will say this. What you got here is two fighters that are so confident in their skills and ability. I'm confident in my skills and I know that this camp I had here, the best camp I've had ever. That's why I'm so calm, cool, calm, relaxed. He's had the best camp that he's had. I see his coach online writing, the best camp he's had, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, you're going to get the best OD, the best Tyrone McKenna yeah. on fight night. And that's what makes this fight such a good fight to watch because you're getting the best of two fighters. I've got, a, you know what, like, it's a grudge match from what happened last year, it's a grudge match and this is what I live for, I live for nap like this, I live to entertain and I want the money and the knockout bonus. Ohara, I want to pick up something that you said to me off camera and you watched Josh Taylor, you, you said oh, you've never met me before but I said that you had met me at the Josh Taylor fight because I interviewed you after the fight. Now you said you hadn't watched that fight until this morning, that was the first time you had watched that fight. Why did you watch that fight for the first time this morning? Because I got beat. And I wanted to see how I performed. You know, after the fight was done, everyone said, I only watched round one and round two of it. I didn't watch the whole thing, just round one and round two. But everyone said that I've got to watch the fight back to look at all the mistakes that I made. And I was thought, nah, 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 it wasn't me. I didn't train right for that camp anyway. Blah, blah, blah. Things went wrong. So, and also the fact that I got beat, I got whooped. I got my ass spanked in that fight. No one wants to see their ass getting spanked. Neither do I. So I said to myself, though, this morning it's time to face your fears. And it's time for you to watch that fight to make sure it never happens again. Remember the pain you felt after you got stopped? Remember how I got dealt with online, everyone saying bad things about me, humiliated me, and I had to bring that memory back into my mind. The pain I felt. So you're using it as fuel then to... That's the fuel yeah. for this fight. And he's gonna be on the receiving end this time. Tyrone, I want to ask this question. O'Hara's lost twice, yep. both against Southpaws. Obviously, you're a big range yourself, Paul. Yourself, is that an advantage for you going into this fight against somebody against O'Hara? Look, yes, I don't think he likes Southpaws. That's, I think, a known fact. He doesn't, he doesn't box well against Southpaws. But look, Josh Taylor's, as you've seen, an animal. Um, so he's an elite fighter. Jack Carroll's an elite fighter. Both, both had losses against him. Um, but it's nothing to do with Southpaw off the or anything. I'm just a better boxer. I believe I'm going to win. Um, Southpaw, Orthodox, back foot, front foot, war, boxing lesson. Terrell McKenna comes up on top. He says he's going to knock you out. Yep. You're going to knock him out? I don't care. I know I'm not a big knockout puncher. I don't need to knock him out. I just want to win. Um, whatever way it comes, if it is a knockout, if he retires, if it's a close fight and I just win on points, if it's a landslide victory, I'm just winning. I've got to ask, the promo that you did as yeah. well, I mean, he said he wants to win this contract, he wants the money and stuff like that. What is, it, what is this for you? Is, this the, is it just all about the grudge match with Harrick because you've been calling it for four years no. or is this bigger, is this the grudge match, the golden contract, the go, future? If I go in this fight thinking this is a grudge match, I hate O'Hara Davies, 
and I'm letting emotions run what I'm what way I'm going to fight, and I'm going to lose because the emotions are going to get the better of me, and I'm going to get stuck in the war that I shouldn't be in. Um, I'm going into this fight, not feeling nothing towards O'Hara Davies he's another opponent. Um, I'm going to treat it that way, and I'm going to stick to whatever Pete Taylor tells me to to do, um, and whatever comes after comes after. Another unprofessional. No, no, too unprofessional. Sorry, it's the boss man himself, so it's all good. Um, Ty, I think because um, you've been calling it O'Hara for four years, has is the same energy when you called him out that first time that you wanted to fight in front of me. I came, I've done a bit, loads of interviews with you, and it's, you've mentioned O'Hara quite a few yeah. times. Is the same energy and desire there to face him now four years later? There's more. I mean, when I started calling out O'Hara, I was nobody. I was five and old. O'Hara was a name and, and I was using his name to try and get out there and That's very honest of you uh, Listen, that's <laughs> what I was doing, I was calling out everyone back then um, trying to get my name, get up in notoriety and so I was never really thinking of it like, like a big fight, like it was going to happen or nothing but the, close, the, the more I built myself, the more it got better, the more uh, I got moved up the rankings the more it got real and, and the more excited I got about fighting O'Hara um, It's a fight that I've always wanted um, even if, if he didn't get to this final, I just still wanted to fight him. It's a fight that I've always wanted, and it's a fight that, I, that I'm very happy that it's happening. Two days' time, we'll find out who actually not talking shit, who's the winner, who's the, who's the one that can bring it to the table. What do you, your response to that, Lenohar, that he was using your name back then? I mean, does that make you feel good that he was actually... But you, did you know that at the beginning, when he was using your name? It's the blueprint. I've done that myself. I saw Floyd. I called out Floyd. Come on. I ain't gonna fight Floyd. I used his name for the hype. I said, cool, you've got a few cameras there, a few people here. Let me go talk some shit to him. And it got like a million views. I got put on fight hype. So it's all about being, it's all about, it's all about understanding how to market yourself and the business of the sport. Knowing who to call out, when to call him out. And I've done it great. And he's also done it great. So I have to respect him because he's, he's got the same ambition that I've got and he's wanted to go down the same path in the way that I've gone down. So he ain't copied me. The same, the same thing I've seen, I've, seen, I've seen everyone else do before me, the same thing that he's saw them do. So we're just two people that have got the same goals. And one's going to get knocked out. And it ain't going to be me. <laughs> well, I've got to say, this fight has been hyped for so long. I mean, we've seen the bit where the yacht call that time and Coogan dropped his, well, put his camera down and broke up the fight and stuff like that. So it's been hyped up on Wednesday night. And you can discuss this amongst yourselves because it's directed at both of you. This fight is going to set fire, isn't it? It's not going to be a lead balloon. It's going to set fire. We're going to see knockouts. We're going to see blood, guts, and everything yeah. along them lines. But it's not going to be a lead balloon. Please tell me it's not. No, so <laughs> Listen, have you seen me in a lead balloon? No. I, it doesn't happen. Um, even with no crowds, I believe it's still going to get into a serious <laughs> heated battle. Um, O'Hara Davies, I believe, is going to bring his, his A game. I'm bringing my game. It's for a massive opportunity with a golden contract. Um, I don't think anyone's going to let that slip behind. There's going to be entertainment in abundance. The fight might end in round one. Do you think you're going to last that long? I said, it might, <laughs> it might end in round one. I, you know, I don't know if you can last that long. We just go. You just copy my joke. We just go. We just go. We just go wait. We just go wait and see. <laughs> but I, I, I believe this fight probably ends in the first round, round one, round two. Um, but we just got to wait and see how it. Okay then, well, it's, it's, we've been going for nearly 20 minutes now, so, but O'Hara, I'll, one final word each from yourself. Start with you, O'Hara. One final word towards Tyrone. Hard work, dedication. <laughs> That's what Floyd said. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Copy the blueprint. Mm. Tyrone, one final word. Be ready for a war. Thank you. That was quite easy. Not gonna, no, gonna see us. There's going to be no fist bumps here, are we going to see now? I don't mind giving a fist bump with him. <laughs> right guys, again, Lee. Listen, before we go, people feel like boxing is all about hating people. We can have a grudge match and still be cool. I think like he's a cool guy, but it's still a grudge match on my side. So just because I'm cool and we're being cool, calm, connected, this fight sells and everyone's going to watch this fight. So just to other boxers going out there, you ain't got to cause beef and start shouting things and start going mad and giving yourself a bad name to sell fights. You can be a good, decent guy. This adds a little bit of spice to it and these fights sell. It's like this fight sold itself. So, yeah. Definitely, I think you're right in what you said there. The fans are going to go and tune in and watch this fight. It's a great fight. Tyler, you're actually popped out of camera there. There we go, my man. Uh, you got a final word, Lee? Is that is that done and dusted? Done and dusted. <laughs>
Yeah, you should be sitting with Glenn there like a Cheshire cat. Listen. It's a great, great opportunity for both boys. Obviously, the winner of the golden contract. Um, go out and enjoy it. <laughs> go out and enjoy it. Final I'm word sure from the we can enjoy it. Oh, I'm so. definitely going to enjoy it. Um, right, boys, on. weighing tomorrow. Um, I suppose that's one thing we, I can look forward to again. The weighing, I don't know if we're going to see any flip tables or anything like that. O'Hara seems to be a humble O'Hara again. And I'm after flipping this one. No, <laughs> nah, don't bother. Don't, I'm only joking. Guys, like I say, thanks for doing this Fightful TV. Uh, Wait in tomorrow, so I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, and uh, good luck on Wednesday night. Yep. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. Myris Breedis wins the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Tournament with a 12-round majority decision victory over Unio Dorticus. Now, this fight never really caught fire because Myris Breedis, as we've seen throughout his career, is a very, very good boxer. He gave Alexander Usek one of his toughest fights because he boxed him. Meris Breedis wasn't in there trying to slug it out with uh, Alexander Usek or apply pressure the way that Gassiev tried to. No, Meris Breedis was boxing with him and doing so to much success. I thought that fight against Usek was closer than a lot of other people had it. In fact, my initial reaction was maybe Breedis had nicked it. So Breedis is a very, very good boxer and... Uniel Dorticus, although he's strong, he's brave, he can punch, he's tough, he doesn't have the greatest defense, and we have seen Dorticus outboxed in multiple fights in the past. Even certain fights that he's won, he was being outboxed. So I don't think most people would have been surprised by this result. In fact, I'm sure most of you expected the fight to play out this way, with Meris Breedis just being the better boxer, picking the cleaner shots, and Dorticus trying in vain to pin him down and get his own big shots off. Dorticus had a few very, very fleeting moments here and there throughout the fight, but for the most part, it was Meris Breedis moving around the ring steadily, not running, just steadily moving around, staying out of Dorticus's way, picking him off at long range, and occasionally tying up to stop any kind of activity from Dorticus up close. It was just very, very good boxing. And... He secured his uh, 27th victory, 19 KOs, now just a one loss to Alexander Usek. Meris Breedis has the opportunity to carve out a name for himself in the history books as one of the great cruiserweight champions of all time if he decides to stay at the weight division. And obviously at 35 years of age, you know, you don't know how much he's going to deteriorate, but I really rate Meris Breedis. Yes, there have been some questionable performances like when he fought Mike Perez, and there are a couple others that have been a bit contentious. I mean, even his fight against uh, Glavatsky, which ended with him stopping Glavatsky, but there was some controversy about what led up to that knockout. Uh, you know, there, there have been a few iffy performances, but I personally really rate the guy's skills. He's got punching power. He's very competent in the ring, good defensively. He knows what he's doing. And as I say, he gave Alexander Usek one of the toughest fights in his career. And we know now how good Usek is. So for Breedis to be doing that shows you what kind of level he's on. So if he decides to stay at Cruiserweight, then maybe he can carve out a legacy for himself and be up there. Maybe not as high as the likes of Usek and Holyfield, but maybe just below that. You know, maybe on the David Hay or just below the David Hay level as a Cruiserweight champion. Maybe above David Hay, you know, because David Hay only had a couple fights as a cruiserweight champion. Do we really know how he good good he was at cruiserweight? I know he was very explosive and all that kind of stuff, but you can't really rate somebody on on a certain level unless they have consistency. Because if you don't, you know, if you, if you're willing to rate them without the consistency, then that's speculation. That's too much speculation, at least for my book. So anyway. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Meris Breedis defeating Uniel Dorticus 
on a 12-round majority decision. Uh, were you surprised that one of the judges actually had it a draw? 114-114. Do you think that's a little suspect? And where do you think Maris Breedis goes from here? Do you think he will actually stay at cruiserweight? Or will he try to seek fortune up at heavyweight among the big boys? You know, maybe try and get... Because obviously, we have a regular WBA heavyweight champion at the moment, Manuel Cha. He still has that distinction as far as I'm aware. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was knocked out badly by Maris Breedis. In fact, what year was that fight? Where are we at? Yeah, Manuel Cha back in 2015. That was five years ago. That was in Russia, in Grozny. And that was a devastating knockout with an uppercut, if memory serves me correct, that Breedis scored in that fight. Was that his only venture up to heavyweight? Turn pro 205. So yeah, his first proper venture up to heavyweight and his only venture up to heavyweight was against uh, Memo Char and he dispatched of Char in great fashion. <laughs> you know, so maybe he'll fancy his chances up there. But let me know what you guys think.